All right, keep those prayer sheets and prayer concerns close to you. Hopefully that you do more praying throughout the week than you do here. Pray that that is not the extent of your uh, prayer life. And then if you would, turn in the Bible to Jeremiah chapter 9. Tonight I'm going to begin a a series that we're going to do of just hearing guys preach from their favorite passage in the Bible. And this one's mine. i got a lot of favorites uh, ladies' Bible study during the week, they tell me that every week I say this is one of my favorites, and I don't intend to do that, and it's not a joke. Maybe there's just a lot of good ones, right? Maybe all the Bible's good. <laughs> Maybe all of it's good, and it's all of our uh, favorites. But this is one that's just really close to me. It's about boasting. The Bible says in our call to worship, Psalm 75 tonight, that God says to the boastful, do not boast, okay? You should know that. I think you know that, okay? Everybody hates a bragger, right? If you're good at something, don't tell us that you're good at something, right? That is so annoying. gets on our nerves, and um, we know that. Well, that, that, that thing of everybody hates a bragger comes from God. God says to the boastful in Psalm 75, do not boast, you know, in sports these days, it's gotten to where everybody likes to celebrate. It really doesn't matter the score. People celebrate. They may be losing by four touchdowns, and they make a good catch, and they jump up and start pumping their chest and celebrating, right? doesn't matter the score. You hit a three-pointer or dunk on somebody. They start showing off and doing all of that. And You know, in soccer, there's not a lot of scoring at all. A lot of times a game can be 1-0, and people celebrate like crazy when they score in soccer. And all the soccer players, I never was a soccer player, all the soccer players tell me that it's just a part of it, it's not, it's not really bad, that there's as much, there's very little scoring, and so they're allowed to boast, and you know, my kids are playing soccer now, and I keep having these talks with them, like, I don't think we need to do that, and, and everybody else is saying that it's just part of it, you do some sort of celebration if you score, and I'm, I'm saying no, and this week I told them one of my favorite sports stories, it comes from Mickey Mantle, I think y'all know Mickey Mantle, right, 1950s, New York Yankees, one of the best hitters ever in baseball. Mickey Mantle used to say that whenever he would hit a home run, he never wanted to do anything as he ran the bases that would show up the pitcher. I like that. Mickey Mantle said that he would run and just keep his head down as he jogged the bases trying to get back to home plate and keep his head down. He said, of course you know, nothing can show up the pitcher more than a home run already has. That's true, right? The game does the talk. If you want to do anything to make the pitcher look bad, the home run does it. The home run does it more than the pump in your fist or whatever, right? And Mickey Mantle said that. He said, I never wanted to make the pitcher feel worse than he already did. And I've never forgotten that. And trying to teach my kids that that's the way it should be in life. Nobody likes a bragger. God says, do not boast. If you know anything about the book of Jeremiah, you know it's long. It's a major prophet, right? Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because he, he, he was um, a prophet for all of these years and he never really saw any response. He, all he did was deliver God's message to God's rebellious people and nothing ever really happened. The people never really turned back. So he was always weeping and mourning. Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. I think you know that. You should That five-chapter book called Lamentations, it's all about lamenting, is by Jeremiah, and he's just pouring his heart out. And so in the book of Jeremiah, you've got all of this sadness, you've got all this bad stuff, you've got all of this grief and all of that. And in the midst of it, you've got God kind of saying, yeah, you should be that way. You should be upset over your sin. You should be upset that I'm angry with you. Well, when you are wrong, 
it just kind of makes it worse that you're boasting. Now, all boasting's wrong. But when you clearly shouldn't be boasting, it just makes it worse. And it's in this setting that God says to us what we're going to study tonight in Jeremiah 9, 23 or 24. It's the people of God being disciplined and judged by God. They're not living for God and God is saying the reason why things aren't going well for you is because I'm against you. And Jeremiah is saying, y'all need to repent and turn back to God. God's against us. It's in that rebellious disobedience. It's in that heavy-heartedness grief that they're still boastful. And so God says to them by Jeremiah, chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. This is my passage, two verses. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. And let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I put it in the bulletin. The title of this sermon is When God Delights in the Boastful. It's an interesting concept because, as I've said, the Bible says, God says to the boastful, do not boast. But there is one small way that he does delight in the boastful. Well, we begin with him saying what not to boast about, when not to boast, and he gives three really good examples. Do not boast in your wisdom, do not boast in your might, and do not boast in your riches. There's not a person in the room that doesn't desire to have wisdom doesn't desire to have a good head on their shoulders, good smarts, education, uh, level-headedness, you know, that sort of thing. We all desire that. We all desire to have the wisdom of God and to be wise and to be able to make good decisions, right? But God says don't boast about your wisdom. There's not a person in the room that doesn't desire to have income and enough of it that you're not worried. We know that money and loving money can be the root of all evil, and we know that money tension can be the thing. In our premarital counseling that we do with young couples, we're always reminding them that the biggest thing that can create stress in your marriage are financial tensions, right? We know that riches are something that are helpful. It would be nice for you to not have to worry about how you're going to pay your bills. And so riches are things that we all would appreciate and like more of, yet the Bible says do not boast about those. And strength is something that we all desire. I don't want to necessarily equate that to only health, but we desire to be healthy, and often health is synonymous with strength. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. God is telling us in these three categories that you do not boast about these things. If you're a smart person or a wise person, you should not boast about that. If you've got plenty of money that you're not worried about your money, perhaps you have a great job or you know, somebody left a lot of money to you or perhaps you hit the lottery or however you are, you should not boast about that. And if you're really strong and fit and you work out and exercise and lift weights and God gave you a strong back and you rarely get tired and you work all the time and you're that person, you should not boast about that. You know, one of the things that comes up in boasting is whether it's true or not. I said earlier that one of the ways we really hate boasting 
is if they're wrong or they shouldn't be boasting, right? That just really gets under our skin. But every once in a while, you hear somebody bragging and you'll say, it's true though, right? They'll be bragging, they'll say, it's true though. We're the best, shut up. Hey, it's true, right? You've seen that exchange before. It happens in our backyard. It happens in, on TV, right? I mean, these things happen. We somehow think that if it's true, it changes it a little bit. Let's look a little bit deeper at our passage and notice. Who does he tell not to boast about their wisdom? The wise man. You notice here that he's not telling the foolish man to not boast? Hey, don't get caught up here in being upset with the ignorant. Don't get caught up here in being upset with the foolish. Don't get caught up here in being upset with the weak or being upset with the poor for they don't know what they're doing or they don't know what they're talking about or anything like that. Notice that the message here is to the wise man. The message here is to the strong man. The message here is to the rich man who perhaps thinks he has reason to boast. You see, what's really happening here is a haughtiness is being pointed out. An arrogance is being pointed out. See, you know that the Bible teaches that everything comes from God. If you're tall, the reason why you're tall is because God made you tall, right? If you're a fast runner, the reason why you're a fast runner is because God made you a fast runner. And I know I said those two because I know you will accept those two. But here's what the Bible also teaches us. If you're smart, it's because God made you smart. And if you're strong, it's because God made you strong. And if you're rich, it's because God made you rich. I know that somewhere along the way, you probably did some push-ups, right? Or you probably read some books, or you probably saved some money and exercised stewardship. But the Bible wants us to know that any and all goodness or blessing or benefit or prosperity in our lives is directly by his grace and is directly from his hand. You've got to know that if you read your Bible. And that should be pushing back against our arrogance. That should be pushing back against our boasting. So God says to us that we should not boast. I want to show you just a few passages. In Romans chapter 4, when God begins to lay out faith alone like Abraham had, he says this in Romans 4, 2. For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. If we were saved by words, which we know that we're not, then Abraham would have something to boast about. But we're not saved by works, so Abraham doesn't. Certainly not before God. That's how he addresses boasting. Perhaps you're even more familiar with Ephesians chapter 2, the great passage on for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? This is one of the first verses you memorize. And in those verses, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, God says the reasoning behind being saved by grace alone or the result of being saved by grace alone through faith alone is so that nobody is able to boast. Nobody. Or what about in 1 Corinthians 1 when they're arguing, listen to this, 
In 1 Corinthians 1, when they're arguing over the divisions, right? One says, I follow Paul, and one says, I follow Apollos, and one says, I follow uh, Peter, and the other says, well, I follow Jesus. And they say, well, he, this person baptized me, and this person baptized me. And Paul says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any, any of you all. I just baptized a couple of y'all. But I'm going to tell you this. Paul didn't die for you on the cross. Paul was not crucified for you. Who was it? And he puts the emphasis back on Jesus. Then he goes on this long description of how the gospel is really the power that changed them. And at the very, 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 very end of that, he says, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God, 1 Corinthians 1, 29. So if you really start studying the Bible, you're going to see that the topic of boasting comes up all over the place. And it's this continual reminder to not boast or here's why you shouldn't boast. Many, many, many passages. Tonight I've given you several and there are so many others. We don't boast. Now there's a new phrase out these days, I'm sure you've heard, called a humble brag. Y'all ever heard of the humble brag? Miss Jetty, you ever heard of humble brag? You haven't? It's new to you? Well, humble brag is when you're trying to bring attention to yourself but you try to make it look like you're not. Yeah. We need to get the radar up on the humble brags, Miss Jetty. See, here's the thing. God knows our words. God knows the heart where the words come from. God knows our actions, and God knows the desires from where our actions come from. God has never once missed a humble brag. When we're trying to get attention for ourselves, for whatever reason, God sees why we are wanting and desiring that attention. God, who is the one deserving of all of our glory, or all glory and all of our worship, says to us, do not boast. You and I need to be able to evaluate ourselves, our speech, our actions, our online posts. We need to be able to evaluate, why are we doing that? Why are we saying that? What should we be desiring? We need to be reminded, he says here, do not. Wise people shouldn't boast about being wise, and strong people shouldn't boast about being strong, and rich people shouldn't boast about being rich. God says to the boastful, do not boast. But then the passage turns. He says, but. But let him who boasts, boast in this. It's interesting because it starts to speak, listen, it starts to speak right to gospel truth. Surely you've heard me preach Jesus enough to know Christianity is not a set of rules, right? We didn't come here tonight just to hear God say, don't boast, don't boast, don't boast. And we don't leave church going, don't boast, don't boast, don't boast, I can't boast. We are so much more alive than that. I hope you know that. 
We are not these people who are only boxed in by rules. We don't come here to just gather all the don'ts, right? Jake's Indian friends are shocked to think that he reads the Bible. And the reason why they're shocked is because they don't know it's alive. They don't know that the word of God is alive. And so Jake reads it because it's fueling life into him. There's a living God inside of Jake. There's a living word right here. And when the living God digests the living word, we are living by the power of God. And so we don't hardly at all think do not, do not, do not is enough for us. For the God who says many, many times, as I've said tonight, do not boast in the presence of God. He says to the boastful, do not boast. Psalm 75, 1 Corinthians 1, Ephesians 2, Romans 4. In all of these passages plus many more, the God who keeps saying don't boast, don't boast, don't boast comes right back and says, if you want to boast, boast about this. And that is Christianity for us. Christianity is telling us over and over again, not just don't do all of these things, but it is giving us a beautiful example of what those things that we are being kept away from, rightly so, of how they force themselves out in the right way and are glorious. Love is a beautiful thing when it's loved the way God tells us to. Money is a powerful, powerful tool and resource when it's used the way it's supposed to. Strength is an awesome thing when it's used the way it's supposed to, right? We're not here tonight thinking wisdom and strength and riches are a bad thing. Not at all. God is not giving us these rules and boundaries and gelling us in to hold us back. He's trying to get us into a position where our lives would thrive with life on these things that can be messed up. So he says, but let him who boasts, boast in this. So while tonight's message has in it, do not boast, it also has in it, God loves a certain type of boasting. So let's see what it is. Verse 24, but let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me. It's so simple. God loves for us to know him. And this is eternal life, Jesus said, that they know you. You remember that verse in John 17? This is eternal life, that they know you. God wants us to boast about knowing him. Notice here, there's no boast in, in something that we've done. There is no work there. It's just in knowing him. And if you do know him, you know that the only way that you know him is because he knew you first. If you do love him, you know that the only way that you love him is because he loved you first, right? It says, boast about this, that he understands and knows me. It's interesting that he not just knows me, but he understands me. It, it, it's giving us, too, that it's, it's more than just uh, saying that we know God and saying that we love God. It's actually understanding how that comes about. It's dealing with the flaw that's in our lives and in our world. It's dealing with the, the, the sinfulness that's in our lives and in our world. It's dealing with our separation from God, and it's dealing with our need for forgiveness, our need for salvation, all of that's included there. But then he goes a step further. And even explains what it is about God that he loves for people to boast about. That he knows, and that he understands and knows me. And now God, check this out. Now God is speaking about what it is about God that he likes for us to like. Isn't that cool? When I'm at home playing with my kids, you know, we're sitting around in the living room. 
If I ever just get down to wrestle one, I'm quickly wrestling like three or four or five. If I ever want to uh, play a game, you know, if they're sitting on the floor and I just start like uh, teasing them or something like that or yanking on their toes or if I start scratching their back or doing anything like that, here's what will happen. If I'm playing with Carolina, Lily will come up and she'll say, will you do that to me? If I'm picking up the boys and throwing them on the couch or something like that, the other one will come up and say, hey, do it to me next, right? And it's almost like, man, this is, this is so good. Can we just get in on that? And God in a good way, not a wrong type of boasting, God in a good way is like, if you know and understand me, here's what I like for you to know and understand about me. Here's the very core of what God your maker is like, a personal God, a father God that knows, that understands, that loves. And let's see what he says. He says, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Man, isn't it awesome that when we talk about God, we've got a lot that we think about him. You've thought about that? Isn't it awesome when we talk about God, we've got a lot of thoughts on a lot of things. We're not just saying that we're a spiritual people. I mean, I'm praying. I hope that y'all are praying. Can you imagine how deep this conversation would go with Jake? You know, they just said to Jake this week, you mean you read the Bible? Imagine how much more Jake has to tell them about all that he believes about the Bible, Right? Jake could sit there and talk to them for a hundred hours straight about all the things that we've got from the Bible, right? They have no idea. They're caught up in a cultural, national, religious system that they think is the extent of having anything to do with God. They're so far from knowing and understanding the one true and living God. And God tells us here what he's like. He's the Lord, and he practices steadfast love. If you've got any category in your life for love, you love sports, you love to eat, you love to hang out, you love to sleep, you love your family. I mean, you just really love your mom or you love your dad, you love your siblings. If you have any category for love in your life, God is that perfect example, the foundation and the picture-perfect example of love. You want to take the love that you know a little bit of, and yet you see the flaws and the splinters and the cracks in it, and you think, what is perfect love? It's God. God loves us the right way. We study God. We look to God to understand what love is really like. How is it that God loves us so that we can further understand love? I want to be a father to my five kids. How is God to me as a father so that I can really, really, really father these five kids? I want to be a lover to my neighbor. What is it like to really, really, really love my neighbor? I want to be a lover to my enemies. What is it really like to love my enemies? Well, guess where the answer to all of those complex issues is found right there in our God. And God says, boast that you know, that you understand that I'm the Lord and I practice love. And don't you wish that we could start having more conversations with people in the world? Don't you wish that you and I could have a talk with somebody searching for love, trying to understand love because God is loving. Then he says justice. I'm glad that he does. Justice is such a huge word right now. Social justice is such a hot topic. And the idea of justice is found in God. What is right? What is wrong? What should you do? What should you not do? Where's the line? Where's not the line? What does it mean? God says he is that way. 
Oh, that we would look further, deeper into God and understand what it means to be just. I have a feeling that we're way off on it. We're often wrong on what is just. We're often very biased on what is just. We're often very inconsistent on what is just. And God is not. He is always and completely just. He exercises or practices justice. And he wants us to know that he is that way. He wants us to understand that the God we know and understand and believe in understands justice. And then righteousness in the earth. What is right? What is good? What is holy? what is true, what is pure, what is honorable, what is worthy. These things come from God. And then he tells us here at the end, in a most unbelievable statement, this is why I love the passage so much. For in these things I delight. It makes me happy. I just really like it. You know how the weather was really good the other night? That one day where it got up to like 70 and it was just awesome. It felt like spring. We were driving back from, I think, baseball practice or something like that. And Carolina said this. In the car, we're all seven in the car. And she says, hey, mom and dad, can we have one of those nights where we just stay out in the backyard until it's past dark and everybody's just kind of running around and y'all are sitting out and y'all, y'all drink some tea sitting on the back porch and all of us kids just play in the backyard? That's what she said. It was a school night, so we weren't able to do that. But you know what she's thinking, right? She's thinking just that ultimate perfect night where you don't even think about the time. It's not too hot out there. It's not too cold out there. The mosquitoes aren't biting, and you just hang out, right? We've all had that before where you're in the backyard, and it just seems amazing. You don't get a lot of those, but when you do have it, you love it. And it was so awesome because it's here in March. It's way too cold. We haven't done yet. It's not even fully spring yet. It is a school night. We're nowhere near summer, so we're a long way from really having one of those nights. But it was cool in her mind to hear her try to describe that. It's like we heard her saying, I delight in those types of evenings. We as humans have a good idea of what delights us, don't we? I was picturing tonight just watching North Carolina go to the Final Four. That would have been so awesome. But they lost. But I was picturing it being really good. I was picturing us next Saturday, the end of spring break, being here for North Carolina in the Final Four. We get an idea of the things that we delight in, things that would just be so great, so enjoyable. But we rarely hear God talk like that. This is a prophet. We know about prophets. Been on Minor Prophets for a long time. This is a prophet telling us what God wants to tell them. He says, here's what I really like. Here's what makes me happy. Here's what I delight in. You knowing and understanding me, that I'm the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness. You know what? It sounds so encouraging to my soul and so encouraging to my faith to think that my maker, my father in heaven, delights. Listen, delights in me just believing in him. 
Allow that to rest on you for a second. God is happy when you and I are just believing in him. What a thought. And the context is, if you're going to boast, boast in that. Allow your energies and your efforts to be in you know God. You know God. You ever been in one of those conversations where you really didn't know what you were talking about? And you found yourself talking about something that you didn't really know what you were talking about, and all of a sudden, the back of your mind going, I need to pull back a little bit. And then all of a sudden, somebody jumps in the conversation, you know they really, 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 really know what they're talking about. And it just kind of relieves you, like, man, they know their stuff. God is saying to us, don't boast about things that you really don't know much about. Wisdom, strength, riches, y'all. God can take it away from us just like that. We didn't earn it. But you know what he loves when we get him? When we've bowed down to him, when we've surrendered to him. He's happy with us in that. Well, the key to all of this proper perspective and boasting is certainly Jesus, right? It is through forgiveness of sins and redemption that you and I come to know this God. There is no knowing of God or understanding of God apart from the cross. It is through the cross that we understand um, sin, that we understand justice and judgment, through that we understand death, the wages of sin is death, Christ died for us. It's through the cross and work of Christ that all of this begins to give us a faithful, healthy, balanced perspective of boasting. And so I end with this. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. There's the word, right? Verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. May our boasting be crucified. May our desire for attention and status and recognition in the world be crucified. May our desire for any glory be crucified. But if we want to boast, may we boast in the cross of Christ that brought us into a relationship with our Father in heaven. And may we go on boasting that we know and understand him. For in that, God delights. Let's be a boastful people, but boasting in the right thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a nice discussion tonight on boasting. God, forgive us of our sins because we all boast. We boast about things we shouldn't boast about. We boast about things that aren't even true. We're out of line. And then we boast about things that we think, oh, well, it's true, but we shouldn't be boasting. 
Father, we have nothing to offer before you. We're not as good at things as we think we are. We're not as good at anything in the whole wide world as you are. Except sinning, we're better at that than you are. And that does not deserve boasting. Father, we bow ourselves down before you and we ask that you would forgive us of our sins. And Father, we pray that your grace would flow into our lives, that we would know and understand you, that you are the Lord who practices steadfast love, righteousness, and justice, for you delight in those things. Oh, Father, we pray that you would be delighting in us, that you would be delighting in First Baptist Fairdale, and that that would be glory to you. God, give us a faithful trust and a faithful perspective on boasting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.